Hello? Can y'all hear me okay? All right. So, first off, I want to say, it's really, really good to be back. And I've missed you all so very much. A lot of people right now, uh, coming back from college and everything, you know, they're they're going home to their families and, and, and you know, preparing for finals week and everything and taking some some time to unwind at home uh, this Sunday probably. And I feel I feel the same. I feel right at home seeing you all. And man, I am as happy as a as, as a true soldier can be. Uh, it's good to be here. Good to be in and amongst you, and to be. Engaged in the worship of God with you to sing songs of praise to Him, to to pray together. We're going to be taking the Lord's Supper together, to 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 just be together and to be about God and be about His things. Right now, we have time set aside to to open up God's Word together and to study. And if you'll follow along with me, I I, I believe I have a a lesson prepared for you that is most needful because it's about Jesus, and that's uh, start, going to start in Acts chapter four and verse thirteen. Now, I realize that. This sermon series had maybe met an end or had been discontinued, but Josh gave me the go-ahead to bring it back from the dead. So, uh, be looking with me in Acts chapter 4 and verse 13, where we're told that when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, that they were astonished because they were perceived as uneducated and common men, but they could recognize by the way that they spoke that they had been with Jesus. And now so, again, bringing this series back from the dead... Uh, I, I could think of no better lesson to bring to you from kind of the, the, the long and arduous journey I've had through college. The only thing that's got me through is, is Jesus. And so what I'm hoping to bring to you is, is, is just a lesson just very simply about Jesus, our, our greatest friend and our greatest ally. From Look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to be reading in just a moment from there. I want to talk to you all about how much value I have in in all of you as my friends and in all the friends that I have and, and about how important that they were to me. So much that I've, uh, as a kid, when, when I would hear those dreadful words on the playground from a friend that, that maybe had enough of me, they would say, I don't, well, we're not friends anymore, that kind of thing. Like, I'll, I'll be brought to tears by that. And still even today, like, the, the, that, that fear of, of being alone really could get to me. And, and so knowing that, that Jesus is here and that, that, that He's in and amongst us and that he, he gave His life for us is, is absolutely encouraging knowing that we have such a great friend as Him. Read with me now in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 1. Now I would remind you, brothers, Paul says, brothers and sisters of the gospel I preach to you which you received in which you stand and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preach to you unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Now, if, if you're a Christian, or even if you're not, you, you probably understand what's being said here, that we had a problem, that we had a difficulty, and that we needed a helping hand in that difficulty, that we all have this problem of sin in our lives and the imperfections that we deal with and the struggles that come with that and the various strivings and the sufferings that come with that. The, the, probably the first thing that I do whenever I come to a difficulty is I seek the, the help of my friends. I, of course, think about how I'm going to fix these things on my own, but, but most, most, most often I'm not capable of doing that. I'm still learning a lot in life. People have bailed me out more times than I can count. You, you guys have bailed me out more times than I can count. And that's what Jesus does for us. That's what we read about. If we read about Romans 6. We all know Romans 6 very well. 
how we're told in verse 4 that, that when we were baptized, we were united with Him in His death, in His burial, and in His resurrection, that we entered into a, we entered into a relationship with Jesus through that. And you know, I, I, I try to have evangelistic conversations on campus, and I try to talk with folks about the truth of the Bible, and sometimes we run across things that are, that are difficult topics that might convict them. And, and, and what I've heard a lot is I've heard, well, the Bible might say that, and, and, and all that, and you seem to know the Bible pretty well. Little do they know, I've still got a lot of learning to do, but they say you seem to know the Bible pretty well. But you don't know about my relationship with Jesus, is what they'll say. Almost kind of as a, a hand wave, so we don't have to talk about the Bible anymore. So now we can talk about this personal relationship. And so sometimes when we hear that idea of the, the, the personal relationship or the relationship that we have with Jesus... We can kind of shy away from that because of the way that the, the people that are out in the world use that as kind of an excuse and of a past to, to continue in their sin or to continue in error. But I think it's vitally important that we talk about our relationship to Jesus and our friendship that we have with Jesus. And so that's simply, very, very simply, the lesson that I'm going to bring to you today is what is your relationship to Christ? Well, what should we do in our friendship with Jesus, and I'll say, first off, with any relationship, what happens? Well, well, we 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 meet the person, and we know little little more about them than just their name. One of my very best friends, the first thing I knew about him was his his name was Zaid, and he wanted to punch me in the face. We were training martial arts together. That's all I knew about him. But now we know each other a lot more. We have a brotherly relationship that's grown over time. Most of my friends are, are most of the friends that we have in our lives are like that. Things start off kind of. You know, basic, but then they deepen over time. And so in the same way, Ephesians chapter 4 now, turn to Ephesians chapter 4 and start in verse 15. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 through 16. Our relationship to Christ is something that we need to develop. Rather, Paul says to the Ephesians, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head. Into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which is it equipped. When each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Jesus, our relationship with Jesus is, is, a, is a relationship that needs to deepen. In fact, it should be the deepest relationship that we have, the most vital relationship that we have in our lives is our relationship to Jesus. It should influence all of our other friendships and all of our other familial connections and everything that we do. From the workplace to our places of recreation and hobby to just anywhere that we go, every stranger that we meet on the street should see that we have been with Jesus and we have abided with Him. We're, we're told in the Bible that our relationship to Jesus is directly correlated with our salvation. And if that's the case, look in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. It says in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 that we're to run with perseverance the race that is set before us. So we have this this relationship, our salvation, which is the, the, the crux of our relationship, or the crux of our salvation, is our relationship to Jesus. That's the cornerstone of everything that we have. And we're told to, to foster the growth of that. Now, growth is uncomfortable. You can ask anybody, especially kids around the age of 12 or so. And growing pains, man. You're, you're, you're shooting up like a root, and you, you, know, you get cramps and things like that. I remember being a kid, and, and I just... Asked my mom, "What is going on?" And it, my my legs would lock up all the time. And I'm, I mean, I, I capped out at five eight, so they weren't too bad. But like, they, I had some growing pains, believe it or not. So, so that's something that happens in a relationship as we experience those growing pains. 
And that definitely happens in our relationship to Jesus as we as we look to Him, looking to Him, like we just sang. We we see somebody that that is better than us, that we need to uh, strive to be to be better. And He challenges us again and again, and, and He does so in in a way that that leaves us completely without any excuse. So it can be very difficult. Uh, you know, again, this idea of a race, Hebrews chapter twelve, uh, we're supposed to run this race with endurance. Well, honestly. If you had me run a marathon right now, I probably wouldn't be the fastest person out there. I think I could do okay, but 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 my temptation would be to start making excuses as people pass me. Oh, I'm having a bad day. Oh, my joints are inflamed, or this or that. But at the end of the day, when you're running a race, the the responsibility is only on you. And it's the same way with our relationship with Jesus. It's our responsibility to grow that relationship, even if we're tired, even if we're struggling, even if our lungs are burning in this race. We have to grow and we have to deepen that relationship through all the suffering. We can't grow stagnant. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12 though. As, as we grow in faith, we have to avoid this. It's very toxic, something that can happen uh, with anyone, with, with, with brethren. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12. Not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another... They are without understanding. Now, we just sang that song, Looking to Thee. And that's what we need to be doing. As a great selection of a song. Cody did an awesome job. almost cried, honestly. But, but, but we need to be looking to Jesus. We don't need to be looking around to see how everybody else is doing necessarily to compare ourselves to them. To, to try and say, well, brother so-and-so struggling. He's, he's down here. I'm doing better than him, so I guess I'm fine. No. We need to look to Jesus and we need to say... How can I become closer to him? How can I deepen the relationship that I have to Jesus, my, my older brother, by adoption, my savior? How can I, how can I get to know him more? And not, not necessarily be concerned with the, the depth of our brothers and sisters relationship to Jesus as far as like comparing ourselves to them. Cause, cause that's not a standard that, that's gonna be reliable. It's gonna be shifting cause we're all imperfect. But Jesus is never changing. He is always the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So Peter said, First uh, Peter chapter 2 and verse 21, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in His steps. If we're reaching a point where we feel like we can just settle in and just cut out the 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 deep and the intimacy of the relationship that we have to Jesus and we can just we can just be settle in right where we are well then we've already lost we've already lost that relationship whenever we feel comfortable completely complacent in it that's when we've lost it just just look at think of the church of Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3 what was their problem they felt like they had need of nothing in Revelation chapter 3 and Jesus said you're lukewarm I want you to be cold. I want you to be hot. I want you to make a decision here of, of, of where your allegiance is. I don't want you to just settle in. I want you to wake up. I want you to realize that you need me. And he wants that for their benefit. He doesn't want that because Jesus somehow needs a pat on the back or an ego boost. No, he, he, he wants them to notice that he is the way so that they can make it to heaven. So we all must engage and, and, and pay attention to our relationship to Christ. And, and wonder, how deep is that love? How deep is that relationship that I have to Jesus? And so let's get fired up. And let's choose to be zealous in our relationship to Jesus. That's a choice. He told them in Revelation chapter 3 to be zealous and to repent. That He commanded them to. That's a choice. It's not a matter of, of, 
of my emotional state of the day. I have to kick it into high gear and say, you know what? I'm going to get to know Jesus more every day, and I'm going to love every minute of it. And people are going to see that in me. But as we, as we kind of get our zeal going, as we get, we get impassioned, what we don't want to do is we don't want to get, we don't want to get too carried away, and we don't want to, we don't want to all of a sudden start thinking, get on this emotional high, and start thinking, well, my emotions are my compass, and I'm just going to just, just live however I kind of want to live, and, and things like that. No, I'm rather, what, what I'm saying to you is, I'm saying we need to have a balanced and a fair zeal, and, and a tempered faith toward God that, that obeys His commands, and does so with a loving heart and a passion. But, but what we need to do secondly, what we need to do with our relationship to Jesus is, is, is we need to cherish that. We need to cherish our relationship to Jesus. We need to, we need to hold it tightly and cling to it. Because you know, all the passion in the world isn't going to mean anything if we, if we treat that relationship carelessly. I, you know, we often hear about uh, abusive friendships or relationships where the one partner says, I love them so much, but then they treat them so bad. And so you might have all the, the quote-unquote love in your heart and emotions toward Jesus. And you might feel like you have a really deep relationship, but at the end of the day, if you don't cherish that relationship, none of that has any value or any, any staying power. Look in, uh, De- look in Romans 8. Look in Romans 8. Uh, while we're turning there, I want to quote from Deuteronomy 4, verse 31. I realize this is kind of like intricate, but Deuteronomy 4, verse 31 says that the Lord your God is a merciful God. He won't leave or destroy you. And that principle is borne out in Romans chapter 8. Where we know that God is an ever-present, all-loving being, and He's our Father. So look in Romans chapter 8, verse 38 through 39. For I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is found where? Which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's very true. We have this amazing relationship and access to that relationship where Jesus has promised, I'm not going to abandon you. I'm going to be your shepherd. He, he, he promises that. So there's, there's no force that can pluck us forcibly out of Christ's hand. There's no power that can remove us from his hand and he will not turn his back on us. However, it's clear that, that in our relationship to Jesus, look at Hebrews chapter 10 now. In Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 26, in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 26, it's clear that if we choose to abandon our friendship, our relationship, our, our, our spiritual connection, our fellowship with Jesus, well, that He's going to let us do that. He's not going to force us to be with Him in paradise. Look, Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26. If we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. So, I'm sure you guys are familiar with the, the adage, it takes two to tango, okay? Like, in a friendship, it can't be one-sided. Now, we may not be able to be as good of a friend as Jesus is to us, but we still need to be a friend to Jesus in our lives. And being a friend to Jesus means that, that we're not going to go on sinning deliberately, the kind of sin that's unrepentant and willful, because that's the kind of, that's the kind of sin, and, and, that's, and that's sin that, that caused Him to be crucified. That was the reason that He needed to to come and to redeem us. That that He gave His life for us. And so we can't really call ourselves a friend of Jesus if we're the ones driving the nails into His hands. Deliberately. Unrepentant. That that doesn't connect. That's not possible. People will say things like, no, no, like 
You can never ever lose your salvation. You can never ever lose your relationship to Jesus, but that's not the case. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 4. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 4. It says that there were these, that there were these Jewish people that, that they were trying to be justified by the old law, but, but it says that they had been severed from Christ. Well, well, how is it that they'd been severed from Christ? Well, well, they were once belonging to Christ in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 4, and then they were severed because they had turned their back on him and got, went back to the old law to try to be justified. And that, that's simply impossible logically to, to say that, that, they, that you can never lose your salvation taking in mind this verse. Because if I'm severed from something, well then I was once a part of it. If these people were severed from Christ, they have no longer a remission of their sins. And so it's very possible that we can lose our relationship to Christ, but it's not going to be because he turns his back on us. It's going to be because of our choices. That we have to take responsibility of those choices. And we have to be very, very careful with our friendship. Just like all of our our friendships here on earth. We take good care to be polite and to be hospitable and to be kind and to make our friends feel at home when we are with them. We do all that we can to to preserve those relationships. And when someone, I hope, when someone has a problem with us and they come to us with that, we're willing to hear them out and we're willing to to be very delicate with that. We're not going to blow up on them and we're not going to be violent with them. So in the same way, in our relationship to Jesus, let's not go and blame Him for our sin, but rather let's own that and let's not be the ones that are, that are yelling crucify. Let's change our minds and abandon the sins of our past and choose to follow Jesus. Genesis chapter 4 and verse 7 tells us, sin's crouching at the door. Its desire is to have you, but you must rule over it. Each temptation that we encounter, it should set off an alarm sign, whoop, 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 in our heads, that, that, that this is dangerous, that this temptation that I'm feeling is dangerous and I need to pay attention because I could potentially do violence to God, so to speak. And, I, and we don't want to do that. We don't want to subject ourselves to, to that and to, to the consequences of that. Because we've been given this great gift of salvation through Jesus Christ and our relationship with Jesus Christ, that we can grow in that. That privilege is amazing. But now that brings me to my last point. It brings me to my last point. I told some of you all earlier in the foyer and kind of moving around, this is going to be kind of a quicker lesson, so you're welcome for that. But it brings me to my last point. It brings me to my last point about salvation, and that's that we should share it. That we shouldn't be selfish with our salvation. You guys got to imagine. Imagine that, that you could spend some time just hanging out with Jesus, just spending time with Him like, like Peter and John did, like all the disciples did, and really like, like sitting with Him and talking with Him. Man, it would be amazing. It'd be kind of intimidating, but it'd be amazing. And, and you imagine, like, you know, imagine we had a, one of those, uh, we had a potluck or something after a gospel meeting, and, and you just happen to have Jesus with you. And yet, what would you be doing? You wouldn't be like, oh, Jesus, let's go sit over here in the corner, just me and you, and kind of keep away. You'd be saying, hey, guys, this is Jesus. He's awesome. He is. And you would want him. You would want everyone there to be shaking his hand and meeting him. And wherever you go, if, wherever you had Jesus with you, you would want to. You would want to introduce people to him. Your family, your friends, everybody. You would be just ecstatic to say, "This is my best friend." That's how we are, isn't it? When we when we have our friends, we want to. We want them to get to know our families. We want to. We want to plug them into our world and to get, get to let people get to know them too, because we love them. And it's the same way with Jesus. It's the same way with Jesus. Look in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 37 through 38. He told us, this is how we're supposed to be. This is how our relationship is supposed to function. Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 through 38. Verse 37, Matthew chapter 9. Then he said to his disciples, it's Jesus, the harvest is plentiful, 
But the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now, I know. I know that we look out to the fields and we see that this is a difficult job that's in front of us in order to to take part in this harvest, to reap. We see these people that are afflicted with sin and that are lost out in error, that are, that are in religious error, that are atheists, that are, that are opposed to God. And we think, they don't want to meet Jesus. They don't want to get to know Him. But I'm going to tell you guys, and I think we all believe this, Jesus is awesome. He is awesome. He is amazing. Uh, even, even, if, even if they don't believe that He's the Son of God. Over time, I believe if someone really gets to know the character of Jesus, they'll see God. They'll see Him. But we have to introduce them. We have to be willing to say, you know what, I may not think that that individual is the type of person who wants to get to know Jesus, but I'm just going to give it a shot anyway. I'm going to introduce Him. Because the, the, the truth is that those people, they need the gospel the most. The kind of people that we say, man, that guy's so wicked. He doesn't want anything to do with Jesus. Well, who's Jesus for? The people that don't have Him. So we can't use that as an excuse. We have to do away with all of our excuses and say, I want to introduce Jesus to everyone I know. I want them to know Him, and I want them to know Him through me. And, and, or through Him. And yeah, through me, reflecting Him. So, when we see these people, we can't count them out. And, and I want you to know that, and I want to, to be very direct with you. I know I've said things like this from the pulpit before, but, but I'm, a, I'm a living example of that. Nobody, nobody, I was just a punk kid. Nobody ever thought that I would be a Christian, let alone that I would be standing before you all now. And I'm humbled by that. I really am. And, I'm, and what I wanted to get across to you guys is that it doesn't matter if you think that that person's so wicked, that they're so entrenched in their sin, that, that, that they one day might be standing in front of you preaching the gospel to you if you just share, if you just share Jesus with them. Look in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15. Even a greater example of this, a much greater example, is the Apostle Paul. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15. Paul himself, the, 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 the very same man who was murdering Christians, who was making a habit of murdering Christians, persecuting the church, it says here, he, as he writes to Timothy, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He says, of whom I'm the worst. So what's Paul saying here? He's saying, I was once a Pharisee. I was once a persecutor of God and a persecutor of, of Christians. And I was trying to defame what God was trying to do in this. And now I've changed. I see the value of that relationship to Jesus. How then, if, if a person like Paul, a person like Paul who's so very, who was Saul and who was so very wicked before, could be converted and could be one of the most notable characters in the pages of our Bibles. Well, then how can we withhold the gospel from anyone in our lives and make the excuse that they, they probably just don't want to hear it? No, it doesn't matter if, if, if they want to hear it. It's our responsibility to share it, share our relationship to Jesus. Jesus wants to get to know, he wants to get to know everyone that we know. He wants that, he wants that relationship and he wants to, to abide with us. He wants, a, he wants to permeate our lives and to, to stretch out and to, he, he wants us to, he wants us to be to be his helpers, to help him network, and to grow the, the church in faith and in number. And that's, that's what we do when we share our relationship with Jesus. 
And I don't mean just, just telling people about him. I don't mean just making converts. I mean with each other too. I mean growing as the body of Christ together, sharing Jesus together. That's what this is all about, isn't it? Without Jesus, what is all this religion? What is all this religious activity? What's the point of it all? Nothing. Not a thing. But with Jesus as the cornerstone for everything that we're doing, our prayers mean something. Our songs mean something. The words that I'm saying now are not just hollow and vain. The Lord's Supper that we're going to partake in, it has a value beyond what I can even describe in words. The sacrifice that Jesus gave for us shows us that He is our greatest friend and our greatest ally. And we cannot take that for granted. I cannot stress enough the importance of our love and our relationship to Jesus. So John chapter 14 and verse 15 says that if we love Him, that we'll keep His commands. If you're really a friend of Jesus, let me ask you this. Are you, are you really a friend of Jesus? If you consider yourself a Christian, if you consider yourself a friend of His, have you aligned your will with His completely? That's what it means to be a friend of Jesus. That's what it means to love Him is to trust Him and to follow Him. He is a better friend than we are. He really is. And we have to humble ourselves and admit that and say, I'm going to take your note and I'm going to submit to you and I'm going to do what you want me to do. Jesus has said that we have to believe in Him. Of course, again, like I said, if we don't believe in Jesus, we don't have anything here. All this is vain. I really have that belief in Jesus and in God and in the things that He did. Well, then I'm naturally going to be more than willing to confess that and to say, Jesus is the Son of God. I'm going to be willing to turn from my sinful lifestyle so that I'm not the one responsible. uh, So that I don't have to, I don't have to identify as just a sinner. So that I, I, I can put the nails down. So that I can silence my mouth that was previously yelling crucify. And instead I can confess Jesus is my Lord and change. My mind. And to finally, to be willing to be baptized, to be joined with Him. That's where I enter that relationship with Jesus. That's where I come into contact with His blood when I'm baptized. When I'm raised to walk in that newness of life. Now I can say, I'm a Christian. I've chosen to follow Him. And He is my friend. And I'm His. Let me ask you this. Is Jesus your friend? He's my greatest friend. And I I, I highly recommend it. If you've not been baptized for the goodness of your sins, if you need to amend your relationship with Jesus, if you need to repair that, now's your time to come forward. I'll be right here to help you as we stand and as we sing.